How's it going today in space, listeners? Everything good? Kicking ass and taking names? Good. Well, before we start the show, I want to remind everyone to check out the website todayinspace.net. We've really ramped up everything on the website from all the pictures, artwork, and sounds in the media page to showing you how to subscribe to the podcast on your iPhone, Android, or computer. Not to mention all the links to all the topics we talk about on the show. Make sure to check it out. We've got more and more content coming up in the future, and we can't wait to share it with you. But now, please enjoy the show. Welcome to Today in Space. Hello, everybody. It is August 5th, 6th, recording on the 5th. It's the 6th for the episode. Uh, it's going to be a supplemental episode. Um, we have the assistant on once again. Hello. How's everybody doing out there? How you doing? Yeah, doing great. Yeah? Just working away and good. back in the fold here. So yeah. I was away for a little while, and now I'm back. So. Yeah, I know. It's been a while. I wanted to yeah. just sit down and have a conversation. It's been me sure. for a while. It's all right. I'm, I'm definitely getting a little more hang of it. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's strange doing it alone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how uh, Bill Burr does it on a weekly basis. Yeah, it's definitely uh, easier bouncing off of somebody. Than yeah, it is, yeah, so. just yeah, having a conversation, right? Sure. Um, so yeah, it's it's August already. Yeah, yeah. Sucks. It's August. You know, yeah. the weather's beautiful. I mean, yeah, you know, it's mm-hmm. uh, it'd be nice to have another couple of months of this. So yeah, I, I, I've been joking with my friends that. Uh, I think we're going to see a solid winter, maybe even into a uh, solid summer right. into November. Yeah. I think I think the seasons have just shifted. I don't think they're getting shorter. I think right. they've just shifted. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I, I do think we're going to have uh, a little longer, warmer weather session here. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. But well, it is New I'm England. I look forward to. Yeah. So. yeah. But it is New England, so who knows what's going to happen. Um, so, yeah, like I said, uh, supplemental episode today. We're just going to touch about a few things. Um, first off, I want to talk about, so, um, I've mentioned on the show before, um, and I'm working on some, some content for you guys, but I bought a 3D printer about a year ago, didn't really have the time when I was working to, to work on it, and now, um, I finally said, you know what, I have to get the 3D printer working, because number one, I gotta put the content out there. Sure. Uh, it kind of gives me, uh, incentive not to lie to people, <laughs> to say, oh, you're gonna do it, and then, oh, you don't do it. Well, if you tell the internet you're gonna do it. Yeah, you have to do it. It puts a little fire under your ass. So, um, you know, basically, with a 3D printer, for anyone that don't know, you, you know, after you, for me, you can either buy it, for me, I bought one that you can build and put together, but you also have the option to buy it straight up, ready out of the box. Um, I did it, because as the engineer, I like the challenge, um, and it's just a good way to, to learn sure. everything about your machine, when you're sure. building it, Absolutely. right? So, um, but the first test, the real first test is the first print, right? It's the first um, model you make, the first time you get the plastic through and build right. something. Sure. So I got everything ready. I set up the video cameras and the audio because again, I'm recording everything, right? So I start up the heat prep to prepare to, to print out the ABS plastic. Uh, three minutes in, I get an error. Wow. 
And I was like, no. I was like, why is this happening? You know? Uh, but luckily, there's a great community of over like 2,000 people who have the same printer. It's sure. a self-run community. You know, there's no, you know, people running it. They run it themselves. So you ask a question and people who use the machines, can, they can give your, you their advice. They can give you help, etc. Um, so ask what was wrong with mine. Um, we gave a picture, you know, show that there was an error. It's a, a max, uh, max temp heat bed. So I was like, all right, well, it's probably the heater bed. So, uh, okay, that's where the plastic gets printed on. Sure. Right? It's the, the build plate, right? So it needs to be hot enough so that the plastic doesn't drop from like 250 degrees to like 75 degrees like that. Because then you're kind of freeze drying sure. it. Sure. It's not as strong. So anyways. Um, so at first, uh, the people in the community, they're like, oh, it's a blown transistor. You're going to have to replace it. So I'm just thinking, fuck. Like I have to get my soldering iron out. I have to start do some soldering. And I'm, I'm not that good at it. So I really didn't want to do this. I didn't want to fuck it up. Um... And, you know, I would go from an almost ready printer to something that has, like, a million issues and the costs me money that I don't have. Right. Right. So I salt around my place for, like, a day, you know. Uh, and I think that's what I, I want to talk to you about it because you're a coach. Uh, you've been a coach. Um, you're also a leader. And, uh, you know with me basically I, I need to motiv lead, motivate and lead myself right you know which is I think the hardest part <laughs> right. doing it with somebody else is a little easier but you know it's basically like no one else is going to get this done it's my printer right I could pay someone but first of all and I'm, an, I'm an engineer so I should be doing it myself right you know um, I could uh, I can't replace the heater bed because it's too expensive right um, and there's no warranty because when you get a, a print, the printer that I got, it was on a Kickstarter. Right. So it's not like a big company that's backing sure. it. Um, so basically, I need to figure it out. And of course, last, I can't just pay someone in to do it for me because I sure. have no money. Sure. <laughs> no the only option was no to money step can back. be a problem. Yeah, yes. A... Yeah. So the only option was to step back, relax, and get myself out of the funk. Um, luckily, I did. But I could see that as being a tough thing with a coach. Uh, and a leader, you know, getting your employees or your players sure. out of that funk. Yeah, there's, there's no question. Um, you know, we'll break it down into, into both. I mean, from a coaching point of view, um, you know, coaching, there's two different levels. I mean, I guess there's more than that. But basically, there's a coaching of the team as a whole. Mm -hmm. And then there's coaching of the individual. Okay. Uh, you know, the coaching of the individual um, requires some time and observation because um, a lot of people, you know, we can all talk, yes. but it doesn't mean that's really what we believe. It's the actions of the individual that um, that really tell you what motivates them. Well, perfect so, example, mm. Ronda Rousey versus uh, Beth Correa this last week in UFC oh, 190. I absolutely loved it. You know, uh, it's yeah. almost like every girl who badmouths Ronda, talks all that trash, yep. and is really vocal and emotional, right. they lose against Ronda because she knows what she's doing right she's and more importantly she's disciplined absolutely she's one of the most disciplined people i've ever seen in my life and that's why i love following her career yeah you know ronda no question in my opinion you know anybody who tries to fight her on an emotional basis is mm -hmm. going to lose yeah you know if you have to go in with a strategy and you have to stick to that strategy and take out the emotion it's the only shot you got against her mm -hmm. you know if you go in emotion you think you're going to powerhouse her and hit her and everything else forget it it ain't, ain't going to happen mm -hmm. so uh 
but uh, but from a from a coaching point of view, you, you know, it, it's really one of those issues you have to figure out. Uh, I'll give you, for instance, long, long time ago, coaching, uh, coaching soccer. And, uh, I think it was, I think there were 14 year olds at the time. And, um, you know, again, we got 20 some odd kids that are on the team and, um, some of these guys would get out of hand and traditionally the coaches just say, okay, you know, yeah, go run, go do this and kind of create more pain in the body. So they would do a listen, lap, yeah. do, a lap yeah. do this. Right. Uh, but what happened, what we found out by our observation of this one particular individual, yeah, uh, he seemed to enjoy the fact that he got the attention when, he did something wrong. Yeah, so it was what was motivating him. Right. So for him, right. having something to do, because he was bored, mm-hmm. you know, his, his thing was boredom. Mm-hmm. You know, so when he was bored, he would act up. So uh, finally, at one of the practices, I decided that for his punishment was to sit down and do nothing. And he could not stand the fact <laughs> that he was going to be more bored than he already was. And after that, he was never a problem again. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, you know, uh, it, it, coaching... Coaching is, is really observational. And then a lot of times I think coaches make a mistake, you know, from the aspect, you know, some people, again, we talked about this in some other sessions about the kinesthetic learner, the audio learner, the visual mm-hmm. learner. Um, you know, you, you have to figure out what's primary learning of that individual. How does that individual learn? Yeah. And each person is different. Each person is different. Yeah. And you're going to have to find a way. Um, you know, you're, co- you're going to coach the team, but you're going to see some headlights in those eyes, you mm. know, where they're like, oh, I got no clue what coach said. And, yeah. and you're going to have to maybe figure out and say, then pull them aside right after you do the team thing and say, hey, listen, this is how you do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- from a coaching perspective, it's really an issue of what motivates somebody. Mm. Uh, and then it's just simple teaching of the game after that. So you have to know what you're doing. Right. You definitely have to know what you're doing because otherwise the players don't respect you. So, um uh, you know, from a leadership point of view, um, it, it's an interesting. You know, you, you know, you mentioned how you know how do you coach and lead yourself. Uh, th- that is no question the hardest thing to do mm-hmm. uh, is 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 to get yourself um, straightened out. Um, back to Ronda Rousey's uh, thing, you know, she mentioned that her mother said, "Don't be a do nothing bitch." Mm-hmm. You know, and I think I think that's a great way to look at it. Yeah, you know, and just don't, for those who don't know what she meant by that was she didn't want to be someone who sits around and waits for somebody else to do everything for her right you know right she's she's the reason the purpose for her body is to fight that she has a reason and and because of that she's she can take the emotion out of it she can she has a purpose. She's right. not just waiting around and being a do-nothing Yeah, bitch. you know, I, I think, you know, I don't know if we've ever talked about this part before. I, I, you know, we talked about procrastination, and, uh, but I think, I think the word loses some of the meaning. And, uh, but the, the explanation that Rhonda makes is actually, uh, you know, instead of waiting around. Well, waiting around is procrastination. Mm-hmm. That's what you're doing. You're waiting for someone else. You're waiting for something. In, you know, you're waiting for an excuse is what mm-hmm. you're doing. Uh, and we all do it. Um, but from a leadership point of view, um, you know, you, the first step to becoming a leader is you have to, number one, believe in yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to believe in yourself. Don't question your motivations, tweak them, adjust them, but you've thought it through. You know what you want to do. You know Mm -hmm. where you want to go. Yeah. You know, and, you and must... I think, and that's, sorry to interrupt you, no, but I, I think that's the hardest part for a lot of people, especially today, is actually and really believing in yourself. Right. You know, because, you know, you might think, oh, you know, oh, that's just arrogance, and that's not believing in yourself. No, no. 
No, it's not arrogance. I mean, right. from the as- aspect, right. yeah, it's it, it's really it's an issue of, it's an issue of yeah. So, so so the question becomes, how do you develop yourself into a leader? How do you you become a leader? And what what you're doing is that you're saying you, you look at yourself, shut off all the TVs, the radios, everything else, the shut off any distractions of any kind. Yeah. And then you have to analyze yourself. What is your good points? What are your bad points? Mm-hmm. Strengthen the the good points. Take away the bad points. Right. And and you take out the kinks in the armor. Right. Right. So uh, when you hear a real leader speak, you know that that leader believes in himself or herself. Mm-hmm. They believe in themselves. And and I think that's one of the big things that's lost. Um, some people think they're in leader roles. They're administrators. They administer Mm. things. They manage things. Right. Uh, Which they should be leaders. Right. But for some reason, and I've seen this in business and anyone who's worked in, especially corporate settings, there's a, you know when someone's not being a leader and they're just being a manager. Right. Or they're, it's, it's the difference between if someone asks you, your boss tells you, hey, I need this done by the end of the day, didn't really give you any warning. Right. The manager, you're going to be like, that fucking asshole, like, why is he doing this to right. me? The leader, you're going to be like, damn, all right, I got to figure out how to get that done for that person Right. by the end of the day. Right. That And that, I think, is a huge difference between the fake leaders and the real leaders. Because they, they they don't demand your respect, but they get they gain your respect because of their leadership. Yeah, they, they you know the, it's an old military term term, but they they command the respect. Command. That's the uh, other people call it you have an aura around you, mm-hmm. you know that kind of thing. Um, they believe in themselves. They believe in their in their abilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can hear that in their voice. You can hear that in their mannerisms. The, a leader, a true leader, does not want to put you down. Yeah. A real leader wants you to get better because it makes all of us better. Right. You know, I mean, that that's what a real leader wants. Um, you know, and so in that first step, let's go right back to that first step. Mm-hmm. So if you don't believe in yourself that you have the skill level, test that skill level. Mm-hmm. Test that skill. And then if you don't think it's good enough, make it better. There's so many ways to make things better between the internet today and friends. Oh, and, definitely. You know, you get a friend or someone who's who's uh, going to be honest with you mm-hmm. uh, as they see it. You know, that that's a good sounding board, you know. Right. Uh, anybody that count calls you names or, or anything else, that's not a leader. You know, I mean, right. a leader wants the people in that organization, in that group or committee, whatever it is, to succeed. Yeah. And and whatever I can do to help you succeed, because it's just going to make the rest of us succeed. Mm-hmm. And that's what a real leader does. So going back to it, you must believe in yourself. And if you don't believe in yourself, then you have to find out why is it you don't believe in yeah. yourself. Is it, it fear? I mean, I know for sure. me, for me, um, a good amount of it was, um, it was fear. You know, um, sure. and and it was also the, you know, what happens when you're in school for seven years sure. and you don't graduate on time and you're right. out of school where it's prestigious and right. everyone there is smart but it doesn't matter because you're defined by or the school defines you by the group that you're in right but the problem is when you start believing that right so and that's something that I got kind of in a funk with was right. oh I'm not smart enough because I'm not as smart as the guy who's right. in the top 0.1% of the country right in 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 brilliance you right. know so it's like ah oh, well yeah. that's stupid so it, it took me to redefine how do i consider myself and my intelligence right. to get out of that 
So it was a it was a tweaking of what what my expectations were. Right. Real leaders, real leaders do not compare themselves to anybody else. Hmm. And okay, that's very interesting. They don't. The real leaders will not compare themselves to other leaders. Real leader will simply believe in in him or herself and what they're doing and what they and what their and what their skills are. And it's it's just a constant helping of your organization, of your people, and strategizing. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to strategize where's the group going to go, what are we going to do, what are we going to sell, who knows, whatever you're doing, right? right? Uh, but it really is, is is the most important thing, and, and I think it's one of the biggest things lost today is that people need to believe in themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, just a simple, this is going to, for some of the people out there who are military people, they understand that during the first 90 days of boot camp, they get broken. You know, you don't you don't get to make any decisions. You don't. Mm-hmm. You will do what you are told. All right. And the reason for that is simply to 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 break their ego, so they they now can train you. So now you believe in yourself. Mm. You know, they're going to train you, break you down, and build you back and up, and build you up. Yeah. But build you so you can believe in yourself. That's mm-hmm. why when you hear. And, you know, I actually found a recording, which we're going to have on about leadership. Well, we found a recording that um, we talked about a little while ago. We'll mm-hmm. bring it on another show. Uh, but when you hear military leaders speak, you know they believe in themselves. Mm-hmm. They believe in what they're doing. Not all of them, but in the true leaders who are in the military. Right. Because they believe in what they've done. They've tested it. They've yes. tried it. Yep. You know, and everything else. So they believe in their skills and everything else mm-hmm. to do. And that's the really first step to becoming a leader. Well, and, and that's and that's a huge core thing that I've seen in just the the human space flight. Right. The, the, the space program, especially... America's space space program. Right. You you saw it especially from the early days. I mean, it was very military based from the beginning because they were the people that sure could do could that, do it could sure. get it done. And with someone who's going into space, they're not. It's not like you know ah, I'm just gonna I'm gonna wing it. Right. You know. No. It's like they've they've planned everything out to if it goes bad and I die, how, are you gonna t- get in touch with my family? Right. Who's gonna talk to them? It's planned everything, so they don't have. To, just like uh, same thing, I feel like with fighting with Ronda Rousey, she has planned the whole fight. She knows what her game plan is, and she's going to stick to it. Sure. So that when she gets into the fight, it all, all that stress, all that it's gone. Right. Because you know exactly what you're gonna do. Right. You know the interesting thing is that I think people will sometimes get overwhelmed when they're put in a leadership position that. You think of it as, you know, geez, I got all these things to do. You simply break it into smaller pieces. It's not like it's like eating a giant sub. You know, you're not mm. going to swallow the whole sub because you're going to choke. All right. You know, you got to take small bites and finish that bite and then move on to the next one. And it's the same way. You break down the process. You break down the parts of your organization or whatever you're selling or whatever it is. And you and you basically, you know, say, OK, you know, we're going to take care of this piece, then take care of this piece and then take care of this piece. And then it all comes together. Mm-hmm. And, and then that's what it does. Uh, but um it is. It is very for for those of the, for those of you out there listening. I tell you, that it's really important that a leader understands the fact that that his or her job is to help the people around them get better, so the organization or group can be better. Mm-hmm. And you are honestly don't fake it because people know when you're faking and you're bullshitting them oh yeah you're doing really well today you know otherwise i really don't care about you you know no you want to really care about their success 
Um, you know, and you're ha- and you're very happy when they're successful. And for instance, somebody in an organization says, you know, you know, hey boss, you know, hey, you know, uh, you know, uh, you've been great to me, blah blah blah, and everything else. But I got this great opportunity to to go to this place and further my career, and I'm getting a ton more money and everything else, blah blah. That leader will be happy for you. I don't want to lose you, but I understand why, and right. I'm happy for you. You know, hey, can you do me a favor? Can you help me train the next guy? You know, that's what a leader does. Right. You know, um, versus it's like, oh, man, why are you leaving now? We're just mm-hmm. at the thing and everything else. It's like, all right, you know. I mean, And, and they may feel that, but they're, they're them as a leader, they're not going to do, they're gonna, not going to put that on you. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, a leader doesn't doesn't do that, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but the beginning process, the beginning process for those of you who want to become leaders, uh, you have to believe in yourself mm-hmm. and you have to do things to believe in your skills, to believe in your decision making, believe in you know all those aspects of it. Um, so that that's what I think. And, and you know, part of a leader is is helping your individuals, your team believe in themselves. Mm. You know, I mean, sometimes you have to tell them, hey, you know, we're the best. We're really good at what we do. Yeah. You know, you have to tell them that mm-hmm. uh, because um, sometimes as a group, you have to kind of set the tone as a leader. You have to yeah. make them saying, this is what where we're at, which sure. is what we can do. Uh, no one's better than we are. So, but anyways, that's, yeah, that's, that's kind of down the road, down the road kind of thing. That's the kind of refining. Yeah. You're, you're kind of refining it. You've already kind of get everybody in the head. They already believe in you. They already mm-hmm. do all that stuff. Now you're just taking it to the next step. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think from, from our discussion here, you know, uh, yeah. we could just talk on leadership, but I, I do want to bring up at another show, um, you, you know, um, an individual that we've heard some speeches from that I think you can hear the leadership in their voice. Yeah, yeah so, we're going to have that coming up. I'm just looking into, you know, mm. whether we can play it or not on air. So yeah, I, I've uh, actually sent out, that yeah, out. I sent out a communication to, to, the, to that person, two people actually, mm-hmm. and, and see if we can use that. And uh, cool. So we'll find out. Yeah, as soon as we figure that out, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll let you know. All right. So uh, just to go back, um, you know, what got me out of that funk was just believing, saying, you know what, you need to learn this. Right. You know, you need to figure out how to do this. Stop complaining. Stop whining. Right. And do some research. Just relax. Right. You yeah. know. Well, the other thing too, just real quick. Sure. It's the acceptance of the fact. Things will go wrong. Yeah. You know, you, you got to accept the fact that that things will go wrong. Now, the question becomes: Is you know why did they go wrong? Is it just mm-hmm. well it happened? It wore out. Whatever right. happens, mm-hmm. or it is it that you didn't connect, put it together correctly? It doesn't really matter if, in the end result. Mm-hmm. But it's like okay. You know, things and, do and that's wrong. something that I feel a lot of engineers, a lot of scientists, um, people just involved in science in general, and who think very um, complex and critical. I think it's a very hard thing for, for them to do, and right. and the people who are on the other side of the spectrum, where um, they're very vocal, they they just go out there and they get it done. Um, that's very natural for them. Right. Um, where I think the um, I don't want to call it the intellectuals, but the right. ones in like the sciences have right. a hard time because your whole existence learning uh, about science is getting as much right as you can. Right. You know, and right. being perfect. And then as soon as you throw an idea out there like, right. oh, this may fail, you kind of freeze up. And you're like, ah, Well, damn. you know, you're right. That's the way they feel. But mm-hmm. in essence, the people who are engineers and scientists, if any other group should know the fact that things go wrong, it should be that group. Yeah. That group should understand that the fact that, you know, sometime today, mm-hmm. something's going to go wrong. Yeah. It just is. And I think that's a growing pain for yeah. uh, for 
engineers. Right. I really think so. And once you can break that, right. um, you're in a much better place. Working in manufacturing right. helped me so much to break that. Right. Because everyone in there is like, yeah, you're going to mess it up. Don't worry. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, just don't do it all the time. Learn from right. it. Right. You know, you know? The, the, the problem is not the mistake. The problem is, did you learn from the mistake? Yes. Did you adjust from the mistake? Mm-hmm. You know, and did you find a solution to the mistake? Right. You know, uh, and if you didn't, couldn't find the solution, did you bring it to other people's attention to solve that problem? Mm -hmm. You know, um, so it's really those steps that you are willing to go to. It's like, oh, yeah, we screwed up again. Who cares? Mm -hmm. You know, no, that's not that's not what we're looking for here. So so to go back to it, um, you know, basically my anxiety was coming from the fact that I don't know how to test this error. Right. So I was really looking for an answer from somebody on this this community. So luckily, um, someone had a great idea that um, because instead of taking the circuit board out, <laughs> replacing a transistor and doing all that stuff, they're like, well, first of all, take the metal plate that you build the plastic on sure. off the heater and see if there's a short, see right. if it's scratched. Sure. Because basically the whole idea is um, there's two plates. The bottom is, like I said, bottom's the heater board that heats up and the top's the aluminum. Um, so if the scratch is touching the aluminum, it's going to short out sure. and you're going to have an issue. Um, so it, it, the test actually worked really well, heated up, no problem. Everything was fine. So it's awesome that that was a nice and easy solution, Sure, you know? Um, so the next step was to prevent the scratch from touching the metal. Um, so I grabbed a quick $15 solution from Amazon. It's like this, uh, heat resistant tape. Mm. Um, so it's just a barrier band-aid to prevent it, you know, something, something easy. Um, it also helps to have engineers as friends. Um, uh, I texted one of my friends out in Cali who works in manufacturing, um, and asked, you know, what was, I told him what was wrong and, you know, told him what I did. Um, and this is the response I got more or less. Uh, number one, fuck that tape. It sucks. (laughs) (laughs) It's nice. (laughs) Uh, use this other stuff that I'm still trying to figure out what it is. Yeah. It's like a glue stick or something. Um, get rid of the metal plate, it sucks, and get glass. Hmm, that's a good idea. So the idea with the glass is that it's the plastic sticks a lot easier, which right. is because if it doesn't stick, then it's going to be moving around and you right. can't build anything, right? right? Um, and it just, it, the heat uh, will handle, stay a little bit easier. Heat, sure. Yeah. Um, and of course, I got his plans for replacing the entire thing, which actually turned out to be cheaper than getting the board from the company. Oh, nice. So, but I mean, that's what engineers and mechanics do. Right. We find solutions, we work within our budget, and we think outside the box. In manufacturing, the line was, uh, there's a million ways to skin a cat, you know, and uh, you just need to find the way that works best and cost the company least. Sure. You know, that's, that's what it comes down to. Makes sense. And for me, the company's me. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. You know, a company of one, you know, it's yeah. a company of a thousand. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's just interesting. I, I hope, you know, you guys got something out of that. Uh, didn't want it to be too technical, right. but I at least wanted to explain sure. it. Sure. Um. Hey everyone, before we go on with the rest of the show, make sure to check out Today in Space Studios' first ever single. In honor of the human race reaching the Pluto system by robot for the first time ever, we want to make a song about it. This is not your typical song about Pluto. Get ready to find out why Pluto was demoted and be barraged with electric sounds from the deep dark of the third zone. Available for 99 cents from the Today in Space store, Amazon Music, Xbox Music, iTunes, and Google Play, and available for streaming on Spotify, YouTube, and SoundCloud. Purchase or play away. 
buying, streaming, or just sharing it with someone helps support John and myself, the artist of Pluto the Misunderstood, in making our next piece of music. All the links are available on the homepage at todayinspace.net slash home. Thanks for all your support. So yeah, up next, um, let's go into a little news here. Um, the commercial adapter part two. So basically, the second commercial adapter is being worked on in Florida at NASA's Kennedy Space Center. The engineers uh, have recently tested the mechanisms for the adapter, according to a post by Stephanie Martin on July 30th, 2015, on the Commercial Crew Program blog at blogs.nasa.gov. Um, the IDA2 or the International Docking Adapter 2, is the newest adapter that will be used on the future commercial crew program spacecraft. Now, it'll be put through extensive testing with Boeing's CST-100 and SpaceX's Crew Dragon, the two companies that have been selected to, to be the first ones for the commercial crew program. Uh, it'll be taken up to the ISS uh, on an upcoming flight and be used as one of two connection points for future commercial crew spacecraft. Uh, the first adapter... IDA-1 was destroyed in the SpaceX mission, the last one, CRS-7, mm -hmm. yep. along with millions of dollars worth of supplies and scientific payloads that were on their way to the ISS. Uh, the CRS-7 failure, according to the last report I read, is still somewhat of a mystery. Uh, according to Elon Musk and the findings from the investigation show that, um, the initial findings, mind you, um, that the only cause that seemed probable was the two-foot steel strut that snapped inside the rocket at about two minutes into the flight and destroyed the rocket. Hmm. So the strut uh, uh, was holding down a high-pressure helium bottle inside the liquid oxygen tank. Um, and the idea is that it likely, uh, when the strut snapped, the bottle flew through the top of the liquid nitrogen tank and blew up the rocket. Um, so, again, like I said, that adapter, the first one was on board. Um, which I think is included in the total loss to NASA, which was $110 million. Um, as Elon has stated, uh, Dragon will be upgraded with the software needed to deploy the parachutes, which should be enough to save all the cargo inside, if, if that happens again. Right. Um, I'm not sure if any other launch vehicle providers have something like that, but, I mean, that doesn't mean they don't have them, so... Right. You know, um, just that I haven't looked. Right, sure. <laughs> um, so... I guess what I want to ask you, because I've brought this up before, but I think it's a very, um, it's a very interesting time for SpaceX, um, and I think it's going to be a true test of their uh, their employee base, really. Sure. Um, and I'll give you a few, a few facts here, just sure. uh, in case you, you didn't know. So, SpaceX has had twenty successes in a row since they started officially launching. Right. Um, this is their first uh, since that count started. Right. Um, Elon has said, uh, to some degree, I think the company as a whole became maybe a little bit complacent over the course of seven years and essentially 20 successes in a row. Right. Um, he also mentioned that seven years ago, the company had 500 employees at the time of the SpaceX's rocket failure during testing. Right. Now, SpaceX has 4,000. Right. Most employees, consequently, had only seen success until the... CRS-7, which means they might not have feared failure quite right. as much. Right. Um, and of course, that, the last thing is, but I think now everyone at the company appreciates just how difficult it is to get rockets to orbit successfully, and I think we'll be stronger for it. 
Yeah, you know, I, I think Elon is saying there, you know, he talks about complacency. You know, uh, part of the problem when you grow a business and it gets to a certain size, people have a tendency to sit back or ignore the basics, mm. the things that made the company successful. And his situation, obviously, is that making sure, you know, something functioned properly so mm -hmm. you wouldn't have these these accidents that cost you $110 million. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, an interesting thing, just real quick, um, the strut is actually supplied by a third party. Um, they don't actually build it. Right. It's kind of a, you know, it's it's right. like, yes, it does matter, but it doesn't. Yeah, you I mean, know. obviously you'd have to recover the part, see if it actually did snap, was it installed correctly, who the hell installed it. Well, I think you the know. best way they're going to figure that out, I mean, if they can retrieve it, I'm sure they, right. they can take a guess, but the best thing is the data they get back from the rocket before it blew. Right. And anything that they can scrounge up after the yeah, explosion. You know, you I mean, know. you know, what, what, Elon, what Elon's saying in that, in, in, in his comments is that, you know, if this was a design issue, mm -hmm. then, all right, then we go back, we, we design to make it a bit issue. better, right? right? But this was simply some part, some installation went wrong, mm -hmm. you know, and we can't have that. Right. We can't have, oh, I forgot to put a bolt on or, uh, you know, uh, the, the metal um, was not tested to see if there was weak spots in it before it was installed. Mm. You know, we can't have that. Uh, those are the kinds of problems that are are simply that's where he states where you know they're becoming complacent. Uh, so it's not a design issue. He's kicking the, he's kicking some people in the chops and the yeah. knees, saying, "Hey, listen, you know you got to check it. You got to get it right because you're costing me money." You so it's, so I guess to to go back to kind of what the theme is today with the struggles of getting getting you out of that funk, getting mm. your employees, your team out of a funk. Sure. Um, this is kind of like, you know, you, you're the best in the division, you're, you're a basketball team, sure. right? You've been the best in the division, you've got some really talented people, but you know, you, you, you don't work as hard because you are the best. You, right. you, you, you do as much as you need to win. Right. And then all of a sudden this team comes and starts blowing you out of the water and you sure. don't understand what's going on. Yeah, what happened? So is, is that the right approach to get a... A winning mentality team out of their funk to say, "Hey, you guys, you guys aren't respecting the difficulty of space travel." Yeah, I mean, you know, when when you know, uh, I think what he, you know, again, when you go back to some of Elon's comments, uh, he is leading in a way where is there times that your team needs a little kick? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. Yeah, there is. Um, let's go to one of the other comments. You know, when we only had five hundred people, five hundred employees, we had twenty successes. Now we got 4,000 and mm -hmm. we're having failures. Well, maybe I'm going to go back to 500 then. <laughs> I mean, why would I continue to fail? Right. And I wouldn't I just go back to what made me, what, what got me to win? Mm -hmm. It's no different than a sport, you know, like basketball. Right. Yeah, well, that's, that's what we were doing. It was winning. Well, that's what we're going to go back rotations, and do. Absolutely. Not keeping guys in enough so that they stay hot. And, right. You know. This is when, when business owners, this is where they start to divide up companies and call them, instead of it all just being SpaceX, now it's there's four different companies, but it's under the umbrella of SpaceX. But they have different names. Well, why is that? They do that for that purpose. They do that because now it makes it makes each one of those divisions accountable to themselves first of all. Okay. And then to the to the parent company. So which is you know actually we're going to talk about a company that did that you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know what they do that on purpose. So people, it doesn't all get lost. So, right. you know, okay, you're the engineering arm. This is what you do. So, you know, Elon, to a certain extent, may um, 
go back to a format where he'll still take the 500 people who got him successful, call it something else under the SpaceX, you know, label, and create other divisions for other stuff, you right. know, depending on how he wants to break it down. You can break it down in multiple ways, you know. Mm. I mean, simply one would be commercial payload. The other one would, would be, you know, for passengers, you know. I mean, or, sure. you know, I mean, you sure. can break it down to those or you can break it down even further, you know, military, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so, um, so there are ways for for the leaders to say, you know, hey, listen, it's all getting lost in the mix. Yeah. We're all getting lost in the mix. So what right. we're going to do is we're going to define it clearly by breaking it up, mm-hmm. you know, and then we just obviously have people, liaisons, who talk to each other and make sure that they all work together. You right. Know? So. Right. But, uh, okay. yeah, but yeah, he is, he is subtly saying. Which he does a lot. Which he does. <laughs> you know, he's saying, hey, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, so uh, what I would predict, you heard it here. What day is it? The sixth. So it is August uh, the 6th, sixth, so, yeah. The fifth, you know, so. <laughs> and, uh, you know, at some point I will probably see Elon in the next few years um, break it into different divisions, still under SpaceX, mm-hmm. but, um, and make different people in charge of those those divisions and so they can um, not have these problems again. Yeah. You know, so um, that that's just prediction on my part. So. Cool. All but, right, so let's move on to the next section, uh, the the Space Business Report. Oop. If you will. All right. Take it away. All right. So uh, the last few we did were large companies. They were pretty, you know, big, big size companies. This one is a publicly traded company. It is publicly traded. Um, <laughs> it's uh, Astrotech. Uh, symbol is ASTC on NASDAQ. Uh, NASDAQ is one of the, you know, trading, um, we'll just call it a platform. Yeah, everyone's do. heard NASDAQ. They don't yeah. really know what it is. I don't know what it is. Right, NASDAQ. It's simply an area. It's really just electronic now, but it's just, I mean, it's really, it's just an area where people trade stocks. They <laughs> buy them, they sell them. That's all it is. At NASDAQ, there's the the, the, the the 9X. There's It goes on. There's a whole bunch of the Chicago Exchange. Um, every country usually has them, you know, and everything else. So, you know, they often... But anyways, I mean, that's where this is traded. Uh, the company is out of Austin, Texas. Um, okay. The share price is $2.54 a share, which doesn't really mean anything. It does seem pretty inexpensive. I, mean, say, I would have no idea what that means. Is that good or bad? Who <laughs> yeah. the hell knows, right? It sounds cheap, but I guess that's a good thing if you're buying it, right? You know, that's one of the things. Whenever you hear a price on a stock, it doesn't really mean anything until you compare it to where they were before. Oh, okay. You know, were they at five hundred dollars a stock? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah okay. where were they? You know, yeah. what are they doing? You know, mm-hmm. so uh, so they are out of Austin, Texas. Uh, real quick, they've got some interesting things here. You know, before, in two thousand nine, Astrotech Corporation was known as Space Hab, S P A C E H A B, and based uh, they were based out of Houston, Texas. Uh, Space Hab was incorporated in nineteen eighty four uh, with the goal to design and build. Um, a man-rated module in the space shuttle, all right, a payload, mm-hmm. uh, payload bay to ferry, um, you know, people in material. Right. So uh, NASA and Space have modified the original idea, agreeing to the design and built a man-rated space habitat, uh, pressurized module. So it's kind of this is going to kind of lead into our gravity thought that we had a few few shows ago. Uh, module. Um, so it transfers supplies and experiments and all that other kind of stuff. Right. Uh, Space Hab's first module flew in the space shuttle uh, Endeavor in July 1993. Oh, wow. <coughs> so these guys actually were in a pretty good position. You yeah. Know? And then, what was it, 2011, that's when uh, the, the they, they had ended. to... Huh? The shuttle program ended, right? Yeah, so yeah, they had so. to figure out what they were doing at that right. point. So they had over 20 
20 shuttle missions that they went on. Wow, that's there. a so lot. That's a lot, right? A, I mean, that, so you when you say you, it's a publicly traded company, it is. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, and, and it was really kind of when I read through this, I'm like, wow, these guys actually did a lot of stuff, you know? So they did numerous experiments, uh, over 150,000 pounds of metal supplies they were sending up to uh, the International Space Station. Um, they also provided uh, all aspects of cargo management, including mm -hmm. development, design, building. Uh, validating, it, it goes on and on. There's a lot of stuff here. Uh, approximately a th hundred, excuse me, not a, not a thousand, a hundred astronauts trained at the former Space Hab Space Payload Processing Facility. So there are a hundred huh. astronauts that trained that. Wow. Yeah, which I, I was like, wow, that's a lot of astronauts. That you is know? a lot. Um, you know, and this was in Cape Canaveral, obviously in Florida, and mm -hmm. it was it was this company that that made this up. Uh, the astronauts worked in the modules, practiced loading and unloading. Uh, protocols and everything else. So this was a kind of a practice facility, obviously, for, for the actual. Mm -hmm. um, SpaceHab also created an educational reach-out program, space technology and research students, uh, which flies uh, experiments in microgravity, okay. microgravity so environment, yep. right, microgravity environment, so, which was kind of cool, you know. Um, so I, I think if you look back at, you know, where the shuttle kind of stopped, so then you could see some adjustments here when you look. I, I'm not going to tell you all the names of the board mm -hmm. of directors and everything else, but you can see where they made adjustments in changing their business plan because obviously that payload situation with the shuttle stopped. Right. You know, and yeah. it doesn't look like they have an agreement with any of the other guys out there like SpaceX or anybody else at the mm -hmm. moment. Um, well, yeah, I mean, that far back... Um even 2011, that's, I think, really before any big things were happening. Anything right. was realistic where you could even make a business plan right. to move towards a commercial, private side. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, it was kind of interesting. That, you know, they had um, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of money guys on this board. There's a couple of guys that are turnaround guys. They turn around companies and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, but there still are, um, you know, there's two individuals that are sitting on the board. One was a naval aviator, a pilot. Uh, military guys, uh, you know, he did that for many years. And there's a there's a lady on the board, um, and she's um, she has her own company too, which all which commercializes uh, and, and does breakthroughs in nanotechnology. Oh, okay. so again, when you see the board of trustees, go read the the names of those companies that because these people usually have their own company mm. and they're sitting on multiple boards. Mm. So this is a great way to get some of the names of places, you know, and everything else. Um, I didn't see any career section. So I think okay. they're, they, they're, they're not really have any job uh, openings or anything like that at the moment, which is kind of what I like to usually do. Right. Uh, but the company's actually broken down into three divisions. We just talked about breaking something into right. division. Right. One of it is, um, is first detect, where what they did is they miniaturized uh, spectrometer technology. They oh. used to be bigger, and they miniaturized Jeez. it. So that way it can actually be, be used... You know, obviously, you want to analyze chemical processes of the chemical compositions and everything else. And what happens is they're actually now starting to sell this to even people who process who make foods. So you can understand that everything is is at the is wow. at the settings or at the quality you want. That's great. I mean, yeah. So to, just to break it down, how I see that being valuable to the space industry, miniaturizing that right. uh, is that's <laughs> that's perfect for for any satellites, spacecraft. The smaller, the better. Right. You know, is it's the less weight, the better. You know, it's uh, less, I agree. It's, it directly correlates to cost. Right. So, and then to be able to sell to somebody else, I mean, that's that's the perfect turnaround. Absolutely. You know. Absolutely. No, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. 
Uh, they also, um, Ast Astrogenics is the name of the other, uh, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, Astrogenetics mm. is the name of their other division. Okay. Uh, and the first commercial biotechnical company to use unique environmental microgravity to develop the therapeutic products. So they're using microgravity to in the in the production process mm. of, of what they're doing. Um, so which is kind of interesting, you know. So through through expertise gained, um, where they saved lives on Earth by developing products in space, through expertise gained through sending more than fifteen hundred NASA scientists' experiments into space. So they, they, okay. this company put they, they put sent over fifteen hundred. So. Um, which is, which is very interesting mm. you know, from that perspective. Uh, the astral next division is astral images, and this is uh, basically it's digital imaging, mm. and they've figured out some technology where they can render the images clearer and better in, in a certain way. They didn't really disclose how, but that's right. so those are the three different Yeah, dimensions. and that's, I mean, just to even be someone working on that is huge, and to, to have a, your division specifically working on that. Right. You come up with a few good ideas, you're golden for a few sure. years. Sure, you know? absolutely. Um, you know, and I, there's, you know, um, the Space Hab, mm. the Space Hab division was sold off to Lockheed Martin. Oh. Back in, uh, back in 2000 and, mm. I can't remember the date. Um, but anyways, it was only a few years ago. They were sold off to Lockheed Martin. And then... Um, and then they obviously have the expertise and everything else. But Astrotech Space Operations now mm -hmm. serves as a wide range of government and commercial customers, including both U.S. and international agencies, uh, and is headquartered in Florida. Mm -hmm. All right, and, uh, and the operations and wow, well, and that's that's a smart decision to put it in Florida, right? Because or right it was Canaveral. was it? No, it was in Texas first. It right? was. It was in Houston then. Yeah. Okay. Well, and Houston, so Houston's the center where <clears throat> um, the minute a rocket with people on it launches from Florida, right. it goes to Houston. Right. That's if, if I'm right. Right, that's the way I understand um, it, so. But having it next to Florida, where right. even with now, even with the commercial crew, right. that's beautiful because it saves them money in, in delivering all this stuff, oh, which yeah. was a, a huge um, crippling blow to NASA throughout the years right. because they had all the stations around the country and sending stuff sure. was super expensive. Sure. So that's great. Yeah, this is now the training facility for... You know, Lockheed Martin's going to supply this training facility yeah. for people who are going to go into space. It's a nice space, move by Lockheed right? Martin. So, uh, so yeah, so they're, 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 they're obviously Astrotech Space Operations expertise final stage launch preparation complements the existing capabilities of satellite design because they do miniaturized satellites that they mm -hmm. send up and everything else. Um, uh, it says this new capability expands the space systems services portfolio and enhances value to the current and future customers of Lockheed Martin. So it, it rounds out what they're doing. Right. Okay. Right. So um, from, this was an interesting, I, I went and looked at the financials. So a lot of you out there just now when I just said financials, just roll your eyes and back into your head and stuff, <laughs> right? So, um, which I understand. So don't look at, when, when, when you look at a company and you're not really familiar with a lot of the statements that are out there, financial statements, there's one sheet I want you to go look at. It's called the balance sheet. The balance sheet breaks down the operations of the of the company into very simple wording and methodology. Mm -hmm. A lot of the other financial statements, there's taxation issues, there's legal issues and everything else to go into it and it gets all confusing. Right. But like for instance, I'm looking at this company here and it has a balance sheet. It's only got a few years here. But like for instance, it says total long-term debt. 
Okay, mm. you see, this is an ongoing company. It's publicly traded, blah, blah, sure. blah, and everything else. Well, back in 2014, it, it had, you know, a good amount of debt. Not even a lot, but had long-term debt that it was handling. Right. Today, it has no long-term debt. Wow. It has no short-term debt. Wow. So no it has no all. it has no debt of any kind. So it's just making money. So now it's just like okay, now they're in a strong position from that that they're not paying interest out and they're not paying banks and they're not doing it. We know there's a lot of financial guys sitting on the board here, True. you know. But they've put themselves in a stronger position than what they were just a few years ago, and so now they're going to be able with the creation of just one or two new products. Which there was a gentleman who was brought on this year uh, who's sitting now. Uh, his, his first name is Raj. I'm going to screw up the last name. I apologize. Uh, Mela Cheruvu is his name, uh, and he was brought in on the on the techno in the technology innovation side, and, and that that's his expertise. Cool. And uh, just to give you guys a lot of kind of kind of go get them kind of a thought here, most of the people who are sitting on this company are not old. Most of these mm. people, if you look at these people, they're probably 45 or younger. You know, it's not the traditional 50, 60, 70-year-old yeah. guy that's sitting on the board. You know, so these guys are all pretty young. So, and in, in the management team. So and don't... They've, and they've gotten rid of their debt. Yeah, and they got <laughs> so rid of their debt, it. right? I mean, think that's, about that's it. That's huge. If someone said to you, you got a company, it's operating, we're making money, we're selling things, and we've got no debt, immediately you're going to say, hey, pretty good. Sounds good. Right? Yeah. So always, when you go look at a company, look at the balance sheet. So that's, it's a very simple breakdown of what they have going on. And you can just see trends just by looking at it. Forget the financial statements, forget a lot of the other stuff. Start off on the balance sheet. Once you ever learn the balance sheet, you can go on to the other stuff if you like to. But mm -hmm. that's really all you need to take a look at. So simply looking at this company, I just turn around and I say, okay, no short-term debt, no long-term debt. And they're making, they're making sales and they're making money. They're going to turn around at some point. They'll, mm -hmm. get, they'll, they'll come up with a creation of something. They'll make up a, a new something new they're going to sell or new service they're going to sell, and then mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's off to the races. Mm -hmm. So so cool. interesting. So maybe you say, hey, this is a company who's in a strong position, you know, because they have no debt. You know, maybe that's some place I, I pay attention to. So, mm -hmm. But anyways, so that was it. So it's AstroTech, and it's uh, ASTC uh, on the NASDAQ. Again, we don't make any recommendations here. We're just giving you the mm – -hmm. we're just telling you, here, this is what they do. More curiosity. Um you know, like I said, whenever you read about these border trustees guys, always read through and find out what other companies they are connected to. So it's they always probably are. They are. They're yeah. all connected. They're interconnected in a lot of ways. Mm. So cool. Well, thank you. Yeah. No. Yeah, that was that was pretty interesting. Yeah, it was pretty pretty good. It was pretty good. You know, they, they, you know, at first thought, they look like a very small company. They they really didn't do much when you first. And you know, what I liked about their website. There was no hyperbole. It was no bullshit. It was like, <laughs> it was great. I mean, it was all fit on one page. It's like, wow, great. I don't have to read 15 pages to get through to something. You right. Know? Oh, uh, that's, that's huge. Yeah, because there's, yeah. there's, there's a lot of that out there. You know, most people, I mean, to be honest, most people have a website because they have to have one. Right. You know, yep. um, but that's good to see that. That That's fun to see because it's, uh, they kind of float under the wire until you actually look. Right. That's, that's dangerous. It's interesting. <laughs> In now, a good now, way. In now a think good about way. it, right? We just sold, yeah, we said how they, they sold that SpaceHab division, which was the SpaceHab to mm -hmm. Lockheed Martin. So they took that money and they paid off their debt. It's beautiful. Right? They put them in a strong yeah. position and then they're... And that way they're not fighting an uphill battle trying right. to figure out what the next step right. is. Right. Then they bring in yeah. the technology guy who develops, innovates, and brings mm -hmm. in so they can develop more products and then they're going to move forward. Cool. So, yeah. Hello again today in space listeners. As we're finishing up the show here, 
I uh, just wanted to know that if you want more sounds from Today in Space, just check out SoundCloud for our account, Today in Space Studios. We just started doing weekly lightning round mixes, so you can check those out. What is a lightning round mix, you might ask? Well, it's this week's space news boiled down and given to you as quick as possible, with a mix by myself and sometimes featuring artists involved with Today in Space Studios. Get your space news in a slightly strange, new, and original way. Thanks, and go check it out. All right. Let's move on to the cornerstone of uh, today's episode, which we really wouldn't be able to talk about if we didn't have a show like this. Uh, this is one of the few times we're having the explicit, we really do mean explicit today. <laughs> Uh, we're going to be talking about sex in space. You heard me right. SpaceX, not SpaceX, but space sex. Uh, I, I must say I do volunteer to uh, <laughs> do any experimentation that needs to be done. So, Well, if you do, um, you'll be part of the 250 Mile High Club. There you go. So forget the Mile High Club. Going to make a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, to start off, I mean, let's just go. Let's just dive straight in. Uh, Pornhub which is the internet's largest pornography website, uh, some of you may go, oh, I know that, um, <laughs> wants to have the first 250 Mile Hut Club members. Uh, they started an Indiegogo campaign, which is like Kickstarter, they're trying to raise money. Sure. As of Tuesday night, they had raised $235,732 uh, with over 1,378 backers. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. They they raised over $10,000 in the first day. That just proves that sex is motivational. Yes. So. <laughs> uh, they need to raise $3.4 million because uh, that's what they're saying um, it's going to take for the company to shoot a sex tape in space. Sure. Um, one of their top perks is called Uranus, of course. Of course. Um, where <laughs> where you get one of the two spacesuits worn by their sextronauts, sextronauts, complete with their underwear and a swag bag as well. Now that's pretty fucking gross, um, but uh, if you're really into sex, I guess this is a great thing. Um, one of the two suits has already been claimed, <laughs> and the cost is 150 grand. Oh my god! <laughs> Can you believe that? Wow, <laughs> this is crazy. The other a- names for perks are very accurate for space and very appropriate for porn. Yeah, you can tell a guy probably made these up. Yeah, right, so. yeah. So of course, Uranus, so- Pluto, Moonrock. Asteroid. Asteroid. Yeah. Neptune, Milky Way, Saturn, Jupiter, Titan, Mars, Earth. Not, not, not tight ass, it was Titan. No, just Titan Edge. Sorry. Oh, they they should have had some should advice. Call me up. Uh, Venus, Mercury, Apollo 69, of course. And not, not Venus. Yeah. Venus. <laughs> Jesus, guys. What? What's the matter with you guys? Who made these names up? <laughs> they need some help. <laughs> and of course, Black Hole. That's, that's right, a little all right, deeper. All right, all right. <laughs> Uh, so, looking. <laughs> as it says on their website, uh, or I'm sorry, on the Indiegogo uh, campaign, the company wants to film its stars having sex during the first, uh, during the few minutes that the spaceship will be in zero gravity as it reaches its maximum height over the Earth. Uh, no word yet on what spaceship uh, they'll be using. I'm sorry, that's from Business Insider. I'm sorry. Um, it's not the love ship, is it? It's kind of like, <laughs> sorry. No, so... <laughs> Um, if you're asking what kind of spaceship are they actually yeah. going to use, um, it's probably going to look, again, it's not, they haven't said it's going to be, but it would look more like 
Virgin Galactic Spaceship One mm. or Spaceship Two, right. um, where it's going to be the um, commercial uh, way to get into space. It's not going to be like a NASA ship. It's sure. not going to be SpaceX right. or Boeing. It's going to be the uh, the airplanes of space travel. Right. You know where you're literally at the edge of space, which is sure. you know 250 miles above the Earth. So, um, just, it's just ridiculous. I mean, but that's the world we live in that you can raise two, over $200,000, 1300 people are right. really into it. And Hey, good for them. They, they didn't, they didn't yeah. ask a bank for money. They didn't, they took it upon themselves. I think that's awesome. I just want those thousand names. So I know when to raise money, I know where to go. So but. it's just, it's just crazy. I, I mean, I, I figured you guys would get a laugh out of that. So now, isn't, isn't I, I thought we talked about this before, but, but wasn't NASA doing an experiment on what sexual activity was going to do to the body in space? Were they doing that? Um, well, with the research, and if, if you look at the links uh, on today's episode, um, they were accused of, someone accused them of working on that in the early 2006, 2007 era. Mm. And every space agency was like, no, no, we are not doing that. Uh, astronauts are not having sex, you know. We are not testing that, blah blah blah. But that you know, there is surprisingly a lot of information on um, that information, not research, on what space sex and sex in space would do. Can you do it? And there's a lot of worries, just like what would happen if you went into space the first time. Right. People thought your eyeballs would fall out of your socket; they'd float out. Sure. They figured. Um, there's a lot of crazy stuff they thought, like sure. your, your ears would, I don't know, it, just irrational things that you, you don't know. So that's kind of where sex in space is at right. um, with humans. Right. Um, but let's, we'll get more into that, what research they've actually done. Sure. Um, and let's go uh, into some things to look forward to with space sex. So, well, for one, uh, there's sometimes a thing called space sickness or okay. nausea that comes with being in microgravity. So that's going to make okay. things a little more difficult. Something to um, look forward to. <laughs> just just in space flight in general. That happens um, on Earth. I mean, I just yeah. want to say. All right, but go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, there's also a lot of sweating in flight. So which means that you'll not only be hot and sweaty already, but uh, if it gets off of you and it's floating around with you and everything and everyone else on board... Um, that's not really right. ideal. Um, but if you want to catch someone in the act after doing it, just look for a large cl- uh, cloud of sweat drops floating near them, and you probably find out that they they were just uh, having sex. Uh, <laughs> no, they, 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 they can't control the temperature in the. Uh... Um, I think it would be a waste of energy. Um, I'm sure there is. Right. I, I don't know, but my guess right. would be um, there is some uh, environmental or environment climate type thing that right. they've got but it ain't gonna be pretty because every ounce of every amp volt of power is used for something right you know um anything yeah, I, was just, I was just gonna say why don't they grab the energy and power off the people having sex but that's another story but, <laughs> we I mean, can't even do that down here yet and there's a lot of, <laughs> no, we haven't figured out how to do it here so we could save the world if yeah. we just gather all the Energy yeah. people use during sex. I, I guess the big question, I mean, I'm sure you're going to come across this at some point, but I mean, I'm thinking about, okay, all right, never mind the well, physical. Well, yeah, that's right. So what, where are your thoughts going? Because you haven't seen any of this stuff. No, this I haven't seen yet. any of it at yeah. all. So, I mean, my, my thought would be, 
All right, never mind the original sex. So, so would would sex be as, um, would it be as uh, resistant? I guess you know the friction. You know, as friction would would the friction be the I same? Fric- I don't think friction would be an issue. You know, um, and then two would be, or be different. I should say. Right, right, and then you know, from a pregnancy point of view, I'm not suggesting. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's, would that sperm comes up actually? Travel to where it's supposed to go in theory. I mean, well, it's, a, it's an interesting, yeah. You know, I mean, that would be my, my my two thoughts. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. We're we're basically going to split it up into first, can you have sex, and then mm. okay, down the road, if we are going to move throughout the universe, we need to have babies in space. So, right. Right. can you actually have? You know, yes. Could you get someone pregnant? Okay, if we right. answer that, the next step is: is the baby going to be healthy? Sure. So sure. Uh, we'll go on to the next thing. Uh, there's also reduced blood flow because the heart doesn't have to pump as hard because there's little gravity. Hmm. So wait a minute. Hold on to the button. Yeah. That one. Wait a minute. So, so re- reduce blood flow to mm-hmm. those parts to the body to the body as a whole. There's still yes. the same amount of pints in the body. Eight pints. Oh no. Yeah. Right? I, well, I you would. Know? I don't think it's. Yeah. I don't think the amount of blood changes. I don't know. Right. But the uh, the blood flow is reduced. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Because the heart would have to, it has to pump it up. You know, if you're standing, it has to pump the blood up and then be, and then it falls down and then it pump it up and it, and then it's yeah. easier on the way down. So it know. is working I'll harder. have to debate that theory. I don't know okay. about that theory. And I'm I not, think I'm that comes from the fact that uh, the ventricle in the heart, right. uh, well, the heart itself, I think, uh, decreases in size because it doesn't have to work as hard. Sure. So I think that's where they're taking that uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of an extrapolation, but I mean, in theory, I mean, they're all in theory working out when they're out there anyways. They're mm-hmm. doing some kind of work out, a lot of some kind, out. you yeah. know, so, so in theory, the heart should still have, I mean, it doesn't lose the capacity well, in a they're day working or two, out, you know? they're working out to contract the reduction right. of the heart. Right, to offset. So, right, and that's why they're doing all so that. So if they're still working out, sex is a workout, but, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you could argue that point. But. Well, they're not doing that apparently now. Right. So, so uh, but there's also... Something uh, that the male astronauts have called the Viagra effect. And so basically, uh, it's easier to get erections in space. And not only is it easy, apparently it's just there all the time. Well, you know, see, this is the point I have Mm -hmm. with the previous statement, is that blood flow is an issue, where I'm sitting there going... Well, I would think because of the lack of gravity, it would be easier. And now they're saying they're they're excited all the time. That came from astronauts saying that this is what they've experienced. Right. You know, in their so, logs. So, well, I don't want to say it. But, but, I mean, so does that mean... <laughs> well, it's explicit. This, well, it's explicit. It. <laughs> it is explicit here, right? So does that mean they're bigger in space? Does that mean they're more... Um, there's more... Because I would think there's more blood flow going to the bodies... They didn't b- say that. ...because of lack of gravity. Yeah, they didn't say that. I think what, what, what has been said is that they're, it's easy to get them and that they're just kind of there. All the time. Not necessarily that they're better right. or they last longer, but I mean, they did call it the Viagra effect, so I don't know. I don't you know, know. That, that may have to be a conversation point when we have one of these interviews. Well, here, it's, so. it's good news for some men because, yep. you know, given that on Earth we have commercials during almost every sporting event telling you that you need this pill to have sex because right. you can't get it up. So anybody who likes so. sports needs Viagra. So I, just gonna, well, you know, <laughs> I guess I you know. know. I, mean, <laughs> I guess that's what they're saying. <laughs> Um, so, no, but you know, see that that contradicts. See, to me, that contradicts the previous assumption mm-hmm. of blood flow. There's not enough. There's, the blood flow isn't as it was before. Right. Where I'm sitting there going, well, it sounds to me like 
It is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but, you know, we'll find out sooner or later. So Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, sooner or later sooner we will. Um, and then I guess most importantly with this whole sex and space thing, uh, it's just plain hard to get sex to work right in zero, in zero G. Um, you know, someone luckily has been working uh, hard on making sex in space something that can happen when we get the chance. Uh, her name is Vanna Bonta. Uh, she's a writer of the romance, space travel, quantum physics novel, Flight. Um, she's also the inventor of the two-suit. Uh, she says that the two-suit is a utilitarian garment that functions by itself as the flight suit and can zip and attach with Velcro to a partner suit. Right. So it has very lightweight fabric inside that can expand. Um, basically, zippers. It's right. like it's like the your backpacks or your your suitcases right. where you get more so, room. Hold on, hold on. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> hold that thought. <laughs> hold that thought. Uh, uh, basically, the suit opens up like a robe from the neck to below the crotch, and it pretty pretty much just exposes the whole front of the body. Right. Uh, and then you attach your end to the partner. Right. Uh, suit and then vice versa and then you can move together right. as one weightless object instead of two floating messes right. Right. trying to you know trying and failing <laughs> to do something as simple as kissing which is where her whole thing came from sure because she was invited in 2004 because she's a space advocate uh, she was invited in 2004 to the maiden voyage of g-force one which uh, is a modified boeing 737 um that flies in parabolas give uh the crews uh the crew on board you know the feeling of weightlessness um so and it gives a like 30 seconds of that um so she and her husband tried to kiss when they were on that first flight in weightlessness and they literally couldn't do it um as vana says in zero g there's no attraction you just couldn't quite really do it and you just really had to work at it sure um so she and her husband were able to test it in flight uh, and they actually they had a really small window again, the 30 seconds. Sure. Um, the first few tries it didn't really work, um, but they did manage to attach and kiss while in zero g. Hmm. Um, it's a really simple solution that solves the difficulty of staying connected to someone in zero g. And as Vanna mentioned, uh, it's not just about sex. It's so that you can get some intimacy and closeness, so that you can cuddle and hang out. It's, sure. it's very cute. Sure. Um, but either way, um, people are working on ways to make sex easier so go sure. go, go back to your original point if, if you remember no I, I was I was stating I was thinking from the aspect that obviously you know we, we've talked about gravity before and, and what we you know the, mm-hmm. maybe the, the artificial gravity that they'll produce but so I would think that the logical um, next step after having a suit I'm assuming they have beds where they sleep they do they have beds in space where they sleep in um, sleep in I a bed or do they sleep I guess they have little cots there's not much headroom um, but yeah it's not glorious by any means right well I'm, yeah. I'm just thinking you've got the suit which would strap two people together mm-hmm. which is you're just velcroing two people together is what you're doing right, right. Uh, which is a good idea you know mm-hmm. so I'm wondering now are you taking a cot or a bed and creating a velcro cover a blanket, so you mm. can actually two people can get in bed, mm. and you can you can actually strap strap the cover in, so that way you both stay there. Mm. You know, so I'm wondering if that's the no, it's a, the it's case. a great idea. Yeah, we may have to work on that. Yeah, I call, I, I, I call it the love blanket. That's what I <laughs> so, <laughs> but, Vana, uh, well, Vana, remember you heard it here You know, first, and you that know, that so. was kind of where my next point was was uh, <laughs> was you know you could also strap in. 
but you know that's there's a strap boring. on right that, that's uh, well, so well, it's, well, it is explicit today so uh <laughs> you know God. but this uh yeah but but that's what what we're talking about right now i mean that's if we just get more people thinking about it and trying it there is no way we're not gonna figure out how to have sex no i just told you we just a blanket we're good it took me like three minutes i mean not even so you know, uh, we're going to have some very interesting <laughs> ideas about floating around and doing it in zero. G. Well, I think we should do. I think we should set it up that we should oh give, make sure we give out the email. And I think people should send in their suggestions. Yes. Uh, if you're listening yeah. out there, if you have any suggestions of how you would have sex in, in zero G, please right. send it to today in space podcast at gmail.com. Right. Now, we're not saying with who. <laughs> no, no, no. We don't want any pictures. Just we don't want how? any stuff. We're yes. just, you're going to tell no, us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, pictures, if it's, if it's like, you know. No, wait, no, we, no, no, no pictures, we don't want any no pictures, pictures, right? So just, just give us, you know, give us your ideas on how you would have sex in a in a zero gravity situation. So, um, let me actually know. get the first email. Yeah, you know, so I, I think, you know, I, I you know, I mean, uh, we just came up with an idea just a few minutes ago. So I'm sure just, you guys come up with something. It's clicking. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. So. Uh, so what you talking about today? Yeah, what are you talking about? Yeah, we're working on <laughs> sex uh, in space. Yeah. Uh, so, so of course, <laughs> it's not a matter of uh, if it when uh, sex is possible in, in space. Um, the next and probably most important thing is, like we said before, reproducing. Right. Um, once we become interplanetary or start living in space, we need to reproduce where we are. Right. Um, that's the ideal. True. Um, so there have been a few tests on this. Um, Back uh, with the Russian science stations and with the International Space Station, I'm not sure about Space Lab, but um, they've tested animals first. Okay, you know, Makes sense. like anything in science, you're testing yeah. with animals yeah. first, right? Um, so they did it with fish. I think the fish was the first. It's a specific t- kind of fish. I don't remember, but um, the first animal to have sex in space was a fish, a pair of fish, and uh, it went fine. Uh, the eggs hatched, the fish seemed fine, so the natural step was, okay, if it works with fish, let's move on to mammals. Right. Because that's what we are. So wait a minute, so, so hold on a second. So so, so they, they had fish, they had obviously had water in a fish tank up mm-hmm. in, in space. Yes. Right? And mm-hmm. so water, it's obviously, I don't know, it's water... I don't know what gravity level water's in, but obviously being in, when, you know, when, when you get in, well, you could actually for swim, you're, you you're, could actually have a huge glob of water floating around, right. and it wouldn't fall apart. It sticks together. Right. So you could have, uh, you could have a fish inside a giant ball of water, free floating. That's not how they did it. Right. But you could. So so hold, so hold on. So hold on. So wait a minute. Hold yeah. on a second. So so in theory, then, because they're in water. Mm-hmm. They can create. They actually have, even though they're in zero gravity, mm-hmm. they could, in essence, have sex because they could create friction from the water. They could use the water to move their bodies, uh, right? If it was in a container. If it was in a container, right? Yeah, right. I think right? Does if that makes sense because you yeah, have something. It would have something to push off of, which push is a container, against, yeah. right? So just a free-floating ball of water. I don't think it would work. Right. So then yeah. the astronauts should that are going to test the sex in space mm. should really be in a in the love tank, the love water tank. That'd so be they can create I don't resistance, know if right? Thought about that. All right, so Vana, right? So listen, oh right, Vana. <laughs> we already talked about the blanket, right? The love blanket, and now we're going to do the the love pool. All right, we're just going to have a little pool. 
And, you know, I mean, I don't know, just two ideas. It's been taking almost, almost well, seven yeah. minutes here. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just throwing them out today. Next. Um, so next. Um, All from fish. Back to uh, mammals. So uh, the mammal that uh, I saw that was tested was the rat, of course. Um, they, they very, they're used a lot in scientific testing. Right. Um, and it had a few issues. Um, they could get pregnant, um, which did seem to be an issue because the whole idea is after 24 weeks, um, the fetus falls um, and starts developing. Sure. That's because it gets more dense and it falls. So um, the idea is that without gravity, it doesn't fall and it doesn't properly develop. And so what ended up happening with these rats is they had some physical retardations. Right. Um, you know, their spines weren't quite right. Um, they weren't typically, uh, they, they know when they're first born, they know to flip over if they're on their mm. back. Sure. They don't do that when they're born in space. Um, then, then there's also, you know, their legs don't really work that well. Sure. Um, so, you know, the question is, all right, is gravity really important for the developmental stage? I, I'd have you to know? agree in, on that, on, on a serious topic. I know we had a little fun with this topic yeah. today, but, but on a serious topic, I, you know, the, the body, the body is really an amazing thing from the aspect that if the body doesn't register the need, you know, it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't give the body that tool, you right. know, it doesn't, I mean, if you're, if you want to go out and run a marathon or you want to just go out and run five miles a day, the body after a few weeks will start to adjust to it. Mm -hmm. You know, I think in this situation, it knows it's in a zero gravity situation. So it doesn't have to develop the other tools in the body mm -hmm. to, to deal with gravity. So the body, in my opinion, and just, this is just a, just a extrapolation here. The body knows that there's zero gravity and it doesn't need this, this, and this. And so it doesn't give it that. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's just my guess from that perspective. Yeah, and I mean, so, that's really, that's kind of where we're at. It's, you yeah. know, it's guesses. You know, there's even, right. I even read that, uh, you know, is is having an orgasm in space even healthy? You know, because yeah. of the fluid shifts, again, sure. they're different. Is it? So it's, there's yeah. a lot to go on. And actually, I heard <laughs> that the, the Pornhub thing, um, the porno in space, <laughs> um, they're you're gonna see is i mean is it healthy you right. know that's kind of the first thing yeah. which was the first it's just like anything with we're not supposed to be there right we're supposed to be on the planet now people who are big dreamers and you know they're in this industry they're probably like well no we were meant to go out there i agree but the way we were built right. is is has the need for gravity I can't speak right. has the need for gravity so just like getting off the planet we had to figure out a way to put ourselves out there right. and survive yep. because we're not supposed to. So now the next step is, okay, think around the box. Wow. How, so what's the problem? How do we fix it? The problem is we don't know what the problem is yet. Right. We only have guesses. Um, and with only 50 years of human space flight coming up. Right. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's very early. It's very yeah, early. it's very early. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, we've been behind too. No question. So, yeah. you know, now... With us talking about this, with you guys thinking, us thinking, sure, and just getting those ideas out there, I really do think that's a huge step to get us moving. Because let's right. be honest, 
how many people stop thinking about the space program and human spaceflight sure. when, you know, the, you know, after a shuttle disaster. I mean, Apollo 13, the movie, plays it out perfectly in that opening scene where right. they're talking about the rocket and they're like, ah, oh, you know, is it worth it to, because they had done it. They yeah, got complacent. Up, right? so, you know? Um, no. So if we keep attacking this and yes, right. talking about sex in space, yes, we right. have to talk about all this stuff because it's inevitably going to happen. Yeah, it's just inevitable with the species. No yeah. question about it. So, yeah. but I tell you what, if a company, and I've never, I've not done any research on this, so this may be out there. I'm not aware of it. Mm. Um, if some company could find a way to create gravity and be able to adjust the amount of gravity mm-hmm. in a certain area, mm-hmm. in, in a zero gravity field, but within that small area yeah. inside of a ship and part of a ship, whatever you want to call it, right. would go huge way to solving yeah. a you lot solve of these a issues. Lot of issues. You solve a lot yeah. of issues. So, I mean, it's really, I tell you, if I mean, I'll, I'll do some research for the next show to, to see if there is any out there. It's definitely some ideas. But but uh, it would be interesting. We talked a little bit about it before, how do you mm-hmm. maybe create some gravity. Uh, but uh, it, it would be interesting if, if it's not developed out there, if someone could come up with a way to develop gravity in a, in a closed environment in zero gravity would be monumental. Yeah, I that's mean, almost as big as mining the first asteroid. Absolutely. Because your design is going to be used on every future mission no question. out there. Yeah, if you're going to do a you city, know. if you're going to do something out there, you know, yeah. you've got to create that zero gravity. How do you do it? You have to create that gravity, yeah. you know, from zero. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like being Tesla. It's like inventing the electricity that goes into a home. That would be huge. You know? Huge. So, um, yeah. very interesting. Yeah, so a lot right. of stuff. I mean, yeah, we we had a little bit of joke uh, joking today. I mean, yeah. it's hard not to. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's really, you know, we bring it back to the, you know, keep thinking, keep dreaming. You know, there's there's opportunities for almost every type of person in, in the space industry. I really do believe that. Right. And part of what we're trying to bring to you guys as the listeners is the the whole spectrum of it. Right. And sex in space is part of that. Right. It um, is. You know, and if you guys have any ideas for anything else that you guys would like to touch, just get in touch with us. Um you know, I think so. This is a fun episode today. Yep. Uh, always me. a blast. That's always <laughs> never boring. No, never boring. Never so. boring that's so. sure. <laughs> um, but some interesting stuff. A little fun. You yep. learn something. Absolutely. And uh, that's about it, guys. Have a great week, guys and gals. Um, thank you again. Else? Yeah. Thank, thank you. For coming you. No, on. thank you again. I really appreciated the the opportunity and uh, you know um, I still have uh, believe it or not I still have the list of people to. Uh, to get on for interviews. I know mm. that's one thing um, that's on my uh, list to do is uh, there's 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 probably a dozen people that uh, I'm in the process of trying to contact to, to get mm-hmm. uh, interviews that, that, that you could do, you know, with these individuals. Sure. Um, you know, because I think that would be interesting as hell too. Yeah, you know, I, so. I think so. I, I You know, it, it's a different place to do an interview too. I don't think there's many, um, ah, I could be wrong, but um, it's a different setting. Right, you know the podcast setting is a different setting, especially the way we've set up the show. Um, we just want it to be fun, right? Just enjoy, you know, none of the bullshit of ah, you know, well, blah 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 blah, right. and then you know, cookie cutter answer to that. Right. You no, know, it's like no, just have a regular fucking conversation. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, it's it's uh, well, you know, again, you you know, my problem a lot of times with a lot of the science stuff, right, mm. that I come down with. It's like a lot of times someone will come across as if it's absolute. This is a hundred percent correct. Yeah, and it might be. 
Mm-hmm. But there's a reason why, you know, the the science uh, book that I read in, sc- in, in school when I was in high school yeah. was already revised. I got 20- a stack right there from the 90s yeah. Yeah, that 20- I keep so that I know right. where we came from. That's right. It, it was yeah. there. I mean, it's already been revised 23 times. Well, that mm-hmm. means it was 23 mistakes that had to be rewritten. Right. So, uh, and that's okay. But No, it's but, fine. It's, but it's, don't, it's, yeah, don't think that you can't. Right. You know, saying can't or never exactly is always going to bite you in the ass. It's always going to bite you. Always. No question. So, with that, have a great week. Uh, enjoy yourselves. Spread science. Spread love. Just enjoy yourselves, everybody. Uh, we'll see you next week, Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, for another episode of Today in Space. Now look for the end of this episode, uh, this week's uh, weekly update in a lightning round mix uh, titled The Tiny Blue Disco Ball. Thanks. Welcome everybody to this week's lightning round mix called The Tiny Blue Disco Ball for August 6th, 2015. August 1st, 1971, astronauts Jim Irwin and Dave Scott on Apollo 15 left the moon and headed back home to Earth, becoming the seventh and eighth humans to walk on the moon. Neil Armstrong's birthday was this August 5th. He would have been 85. Godspeed in the afterlife to the first human to ever walk on the surface of the moon. Three years ago this week, humans managed to land a rover called Curiosity on the surface of Mars. That's it's ever been done. done. Ever. ever. And it actually looked a little bit like the way the Greek goblin flies around in the Spider-Man videos. The top science discoveries by Curiosity include finding evidence that Mars could have supported life in the past, that Mars probably had a thicker atmosphere and more water on the surface, and evidence of an ancient stream bed. Curiosity also found organic carbon in the Martian rocks, active and still present methane in the Martian atmosphere, and most importantly, that radiation levels could be a health risk for humans going to Mars. Scott Kelly aboard the International Space Station went on Twitter this week to 
answers questions from fans, one including the President of the United States, Barack Obama. He also managed to repair an American spacesuit that was not designed to be repaired, and it's now back in action for use in the vacuum of space. Spin the lightning round mix for this week. Thank you for listening.